Yeah, I know, but a launch party? What, is Emma going to stand at the front and say, who wants to see June? June who? They'll just be putting up pictures of naked men in time to music or something like that. Yeah, and then they're going to show the full Monty. Wait till they see what we've got to offer. Movie stars are going to pale into insignificance. All right. How do you reckon it's going there, then? Yeah, come on, we're missing the gas of appreciation. Yeah, no, you're right. We should go. We should all go. After this, though, I mean, you know. Yeah. The talk of the street. 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 Welcome to episode 165 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catch-Up podcast that wonders when we're going to have Dr. Harold Shipman in a tabard, Ted Bundy with a man bag, Jeffrey Dahmer up a truffle tree, or just Tracy McDonald. I'm Gavin. It's always good when you try and <laughs> stifle your laughter on a podcast. Which one is the... They're all good. Right. They're all good. Jeffrey Dahmer up a truffle tree. That was my (laughs) favourite. I'm Gavin. And it's my birthday. I'm turning 35 tomorrow. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. They say it's my birthday. It's my birthday. Or it say it's your birthday. It's my birthday too. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to, <laughs> cry if I want to, you would cry too, if it happened to you. Na 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 na. That's all the singing that I'm going to be doing this week. You should do more, you have a lovely voice. I do. I'm sure we've mentioned it before, but Gav's go-to karaoke song is Toxic. Yep. So, and it looks like Britney may actually get free. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they... they that she, Stuff You Should Know episode was, was what swung it, was it? <laughs> <laughs> she was able to get a lawyer of her own, so... Well, that's a... That's, 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 that's a, a step start, in the right, right... That's a step in the right direction, so... Oh, thank God. Poor Brittany. And it also, it's... It's good because it shines a light on the fact that conservatorships and guardianships can be problematic and maybe we need to rethink some of these laws. Well, there's not a huge amount of data available on it, according yeah. to the Stuff You Should Know episode, which I thought was very good. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody knows how much, how many people are are under this. No, nobody knows how much money has been held right. because of it. But it's very few uh, people that are under a conservatorship who release four platinum albums and make $180 million. Right, and guest star on X Factor. Right. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Have a ticket-selling Vegas show. Yeah, I I get that there are two sides to every story, right? Right. Arguably, there are three sides to every story. Right. I can't imagine what the other sides of this story would have to be to make me back away from the hashtag Free Britney. Right. Because it's just so appalling. A lot, a lot of the criticism has been there are certain male musicians and actors who uh, have acted strangely and erratically the past few years. Mm-hmm. 
and you don't see anybody trying to put them into a conservatorship no sort of thing that being said fair enough back in the day this sort of thing happened to brian wilson but you know eventually he was able to get out of it so you know it does happen to men as well Mm -hmm. and i mean in in my position in my job we we are taught to kind of look for red flags as far as guardianships and stuff are concerned and and look for signs of elder abuse as far as yep. their finances are concerned. So it happens. It happens a lot. And we have CPTs just because of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, I've had to flag things before in the past. I've seen it. So good for Brittany. <laughs> this is all of a sudden become a Brittany Spears podcast. Well, it started off fairly late when I was listing <laughs> serial killers. And I don't know how you're going to Brittany. How are you today? Uh, I'm uh, I'm plowing right through my uh, watching all the Emmy nominations. Oh God, yes, you are. Yeah, Oof. it's been a it's been a good week because for the most part, the stuff that I've been watching have uh, you know I I was I'm just gonna say it I was kind of disappointed in the TV movies that were nominated this year, even the one by my girl Dolly Parton. <laughs> but uh you know a lot of the shows have been really good i really i really surprised my surprisingly enjoyed uh below deck the the reality show about people who work on yachts you know i actually found that one quite interesting because this particular season dealt an awful lot with the coronavirus and death cruise and these people um you know, sitting on this yacht in Antigua and getting calls from their families back in Italy and the UK and Australia and America saying, yeah, we can't find toilet paper right now, mm-hmm. you know, and getting these rich people on, you know, to, who charter the yacht. And then it, it was really quite shocking to see people actually say out loud, like real people who were serious oh, this will blow over. It's just a conspiracy. They just want to make Trump look bad. Oh, really? And it's like, holy <laughs> shit. These people do exist outside my family. <laughs> so so that was good. To be fair, though, it was members of your family that were on the show, though. So. <laughs> members of my family wish they had that kind of money where you're tipping the yacht crew 25 grand. Oh. <laughs> nice one. Yeah. We are recording on a Wednesday because of birthday... Yes. And because of us heading, heading somewhere, out, out and about somewhere, I'm kind of keeping it super secret. Although I've I've told you that it's it's more it's, your it's, thing than yes, my thing, which I'm, I'm I think kind of fills in quite a lot of the blanks. And I'm, I'm quite excited and just first you go see Black Widow with me, and now and now you're going to be doing something rustic and just, also going to an antique store. At I'm just some a point. model husband. You really are. <laughs> I, I ran the whole idea by a couple of people who thought it was uh, wonderful. So I'm Peter, he loves me. I'm fairly, <laughs> fairly pleased. That and mosquitoes love you. Yeah, we'll have to take the old. <laughs> have to douse myself in this spray because I actually did feel like it was working the last time I used yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm just hoping that the smoke from the fires in Canada clear. Right. 
So we only have a couple of episodes to talk about this week, so this might be a, a shorter episode. But every time I say it's yeah, possibly going to be a shorter episode, I, it never is. And I imagine that we'll I have, have a feeling we're going to have a lot things. to talk about. <laughs> some things to say over, over <laughs> what we've seen so far this yes, week. Yes, and you know, those weeks where you and I disagree about stuff, those tend to be a little longer. <laughs> right. Oh, well. <laughs> Buckle yourself in. <laughs> It's going to be a rough ride. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that rustic coding news. The bitch is back. Ooh. Lovers of fabulosity everywhere rejoice at the news of Rula Lenska's return as Claudia to the cobbles. Woo with an additional hoo. Woot woot. I, I actually didn't believe it the first time I read it. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither, because when she left, there seemed to be... We imagined some bad some blood. Some bad blood. But this, this makes it seem like either somebody apologized... Or there wasn't any bad blood at all. Or there wasn't any, yeah. Which, you know, it could go either way. <laughs> so. Fantastic. People were saying that, you know, they want her back and they want her back with her own stories that aren't mired in fucking Barlow's. But I thought having her in those mithery stories of Ken Barlow actually made them far more interesting. It's far more interesting to have a big redhead standing in the corner with her arms folded, tutting, while all this nonsense went on. You know what I want? I want her to be conspiring with Daisy. Oh, something. no, no, I'd be so disappointed. Well, would I be disappointed? It might save Daisy. <laughs> it's not going to ruin Rula. No, no, you can't You can't ruin someone whose hair is that fabulous. Right. So uh, do we know when this is happening? No, oh, not yet. It's just kind of... Coming you know, once. It's, it's, Watch the it's, space. It's a coming. That's <laughs> all I know. And we are happy about it. Yay! Yep. Some week from now, I'll be asking oh. you to give us some of that Rula Lenska Corey news. Yes. Move over, James. Another footballer may be joining the cast, for a cameo at least. Jack Grealish of Aston Villa has come out as a huge Corey fan, and ITV are eyeing him to come on and pop in at the Rovers, at least for a few minutes or something. <laughs> Right, to do what? I don't know. You know how these cameos go? Especially if sports people, you know. The best one was status quo. When, because Les Battersby was allegedly a, a roadie for them. Uh-huh. And they came into the Rovers. And that was kind of cute. I kind of miss stuff like that. Because remember in the 70s and 80s and even kind of in the 90s, that sort of thing would happen all the time. It's Chris Martin appearing on that episode of Extras. It's it's um, George Clooney and, and Ed Norton showing up. Or not Ed Orton, Norton. Who was the other guy on um, ER? The bald one with the glasses. Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad Pitt. Anyway, it's George Clooney showing up on, on Friends. But even... Mm-hmm. Or, you know... The but glo- he wasn't playing himself, though. No. Or, like, the Harlem Globetrotters showing up in Scooby-Doo. Yeah, they were animated. <laughs> yes, but it was their voices. <laughs> Who would know? Of course, that would happen on Scooby-Doo all the time. They'd be driving down the street, and all of a sudden, there's... <laughs> it's that time Corn were on South Park. There we go. <laughs> 
Yeah, so we'll see if that happens. Finally, in TMI news, BuzzBingo.com has surveyed 2,000 adults, and a shocking number have had sex on the couch while watching the show. I don't know why they would... Apparently, Coronation Street comes right after Love Island as far as shows that get people in the mood. Is it getting you in the mood, or <laughs> you'd rather be... You, you, there are better things you can be doing sitting on the couch than watching this a, show. A shocking 27% found that Ken Barlow made them hot under the collar. So apparently they've only been interviewing 65-year-old ladies <laughs> and above. Wow. Yeah, it was Ken and Maria were like supposedly the two they characters. Were no. That the two characters that made people want to take their clothes off oh. and do the nasty with their loved one on the couch. Has to be on the couch. Yeah. Well, wherever they're watching it, I'm assuming on the couch. Did you typically watch it in bed? Which is or on the couch or in a chair. I'm not watching it on a television and you're in here. Mm-hmm. And when we watch TV together, we're, we tend to not be on the same piece of furniture, no matter what we're watching. Right. So. Oh, well. Oh, well. And that's Corey News. <sighs> it was a short week. It was a short week. And I think that You're was lucky re- you got what you got. That was reflective, I think, <laughs> in at least two of those three. And now, we'll podcast for coffee. totally forgot to post a a picture of our mugs from last week mm-hmm. i was gonna start doing that every week since i started with the best fucking husband one right oh well <laughs> you're gonna start that this week well it's kind of boring because it's just our cutie cups mm-hmm. although maybe that would be kind of funny and depressing anyway <laughs> well you're right it's gonna take up bandwidth somewhere right sure <laughs> Nobody bought us coffees this week. But no! it's been a short week. It's been a short week. Guys, it's my birthday. Buy well, me a coffee for my birthday. It's not your birthday yet. It's not your birthday until tomorrow. So it, I expect a flurry. Yes. Of uh, cappuccinos I mean, and lattes. Lots of fancy coffees for my birthday. Now, the last time you demanded <laughs> coffee, we didn't get any for like a month. So. Yeah, but that wasn't my birthday. That was just, we're going on vacation to Dollywood. I wanted fancy Dollywood coffees. Yeah, I can understand Dollywood. why. I can understand why nobody got us coffee no, after that. No, because there are really nice fancy coffee places in Nashville and Memphis. Unfortunately, we didn't go to didn't any of them. Any of them? No. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. No. <laughs> nobody bought us coffee, but if you want to buy us coffee, here's how you can do that. You can go to kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com/slash the talk of the street. And you can buy us a coffee for next week. You can also subscribe to buying us coffee now, which means you can sign up and buy us a coffee a month. So if you value this podcast at a buck twenty-five or more, yeah, times four equals five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do that. Yeah. If you don't value this podcast at a buck twenty-five, maybe keep that to yourself. <laughs> and now this.
Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Sexy Treasure Hunt. Oh, Sexy Treasure Hunt. This is sexy um, treasure this hunt. is Brian and Kathy hiding the uh, hiding the doubloons somewhere. I'm impressed. That is what I mean. <laughs> that's right. This was Kathy accidentally admitting uh, to her and Brian's sexual role playing to Sally, and Sally was was very intrigued by the old sexy treasure hunt, as if this was something that she was going to maybe be taking up herself with uh, her and the good Timothy. Right, and instead they decided to do a sexy realtor. Sexy yes. sexy estate agent. Yes, they did. <laughs> I have to admit, uh, this particular episode, Apple Podcasts has been weird ever since the last update. Oh, has it? I haven't and, noticed. I noticed that you can't subscribe to anything anymore. You can just follow. Right, and it's hard to delete things. But It was always hard to delete things. Um, It was... It was playing like a whole bunch of old episodes, and this was one of them. So, like at two o'clock in the morning, I woke up to hearing Kathy talk about sexy treasure hunt. Oh, you did. So, so it was fresh in my mind. Well, isn't that a coincidence? <laughs> I was Gavin, and you were terrified because the intro was read out by our own Timbot Four Thousand. Yeah, that was terrifying. Timbot Four Thousand says, "Remember when I was a thing?" Yes, yes, we do. It was some time ago, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't yesterday. Good times, you guys, good times. <laughs> well, this was the first week that we'd sat in a car together since March. Mm-hmm. You brought home a bin full of doll parts because you're a creepy fucker. <laughs> I was down the geo-guesser rabbit hole and had a bit of a sore throat. Elaine agrees to testify against Tim's dad, but not before she reveals her true identity to Tim, who isn't in the mood to believe her. We discover that Mary has a penchant for Italian opera. Sean is addicted to Tipping Point and Eileen is trapped in Thailand. Remember when Eileen was trapped in Thailand? Mm-hmm. Ed learns how to set up a Zoom call. Aggie is self-quarantining. And the discovery of our wristwatch causes all of Gary's spinning plates to abruptly start crashing to the ground. <laughs> and yet... <laughs> and yet here we are. And yet not enough. No mannequins were injured in the making of this episode. Our moment of the week was Sarah confronting Gary and asking if he killed Rick the Chin. And our boring moment of the week was Brian explaining the metric system to Cathy. And that was Coronation Street and the Talk of the Street this time last year. Yes. <laughs> shall we shall we dive in, my dear? After that pregnant pause for some reason, I think we should. <laughs> well normally you have some comment to make. About about what we watched last last year? Any of the last minute of me talking here. <laughs> Our first storyline is Promoting the Baileys. <laughs> let's just, we'll get through it. Let's, yes. Let's, and this, this means that we get we get it out of the way. Which is, yes, that's good. It's good to get it out of the way. Right. James is getting 30 grand for his interview about his gayness, which draws Aggie from the kitchen. What? 30 grand? He wants to give it to her and Ed, but she'd rather he enjoyed it. And so he and Michael arranged to go and test drive some flash motors. Yes. Michael has cleared it 30 grand in one go. I'd buy an RV. You'd need more than that. Mm-mm. Not for a used one. Oh, used one. That's true. When when was the last time I bought something brand new? It's like you don't even know me. <laughs> Start to question my Christmas presents. 
Michael has cleared his day off with Toya and Grace. Grace wants to talk and he's worried that she's going to declare her love for him. Uh, but instead she's put together a portfolio of his baby grow designs. She's done a great job and he's really impressed, but it's going to need to wait because he's going to go car shopping with James. Right. So James and Michael And he even got the day off for this. Yeah. And he explained to Toya exactly why he needed the day off. This is a day after he hasn't got a promotion. And Toya got the promotion. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is Toya being nice and saying... Sorry you didn't get the promotion. I'm going to let you have the day off. Here's why you didn't get that promotion. <laughs> James and Michael roll up on the street in a lovely Corvette. Was it, was, it a, was it a little red It was Corvette? red, yeah. Saw some people saying it was a convertible. It wasn't Baby, a convertible. It was a T-top. You're much too fast. Danny books are spinning it later, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. PC Tinker's walking by. He gives him the thumbs up. Mm -hmm. He's so impressed by this flash car. Cargo zoom, says Craig. (laughs) Daniel is also impressed and they stop to have a little chat with Daniel in the corner of the street. As they gingerly pull onto Victoria Street, a police car that's been watching this this transpire Mm -hmm. flashes the blues and pulls them over. Right, and it seems like after the stop with Daniel... It does seem like James is having a little bit of a hard time getting it started again and is blaming the cobbles on the street, which, yeah, it, I can't imagine. It's a left-hand drive, which I was impressed about. Uh, everyone's suspension on that street must be... <laughs> right. Fucked, yes. is the word, right? There's a reason why most of those people don't drive. If you're not used to driving an automatic transmission, and this is an automatic transmission, because he mm-hmm. says this is what was causing them the problem. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I drove a an automatic mm-hmm. I want to put one foot on the brake and one foot on the accelerator yeah. and then ease off the brake and ease on, onto the accelerator mm-hmm. I'm treating the, the brake like it's a clutch basically mm-hmm. so I can understand this if you're not used to driving an automatic it takes a little bit do they still make to. sticks? every car in the UK is manual yeah you don't have automatic transmissions over there very very few very oh, you're few you're living in the dark ages mm-hmm. right <laughs> My parents made sure that I, I learned how to drive uh, a stick. My my mom made my dad teach me how to drive a stick because she didn't have the patience for it. But mm-hmm. she taught me how to drive an automatic. So I drove my cousin David's uh, little Datsun when I was over here one time. And that was weird being on the left-hand side of the car driving stick. Mm-hmm. Using my right hand to change gear as opposed to my left hand. Mm-hmm. Very. I've got to change gear and I'm rolling the window down. <laughs> rolling the window down. Rolling the window for down. For the kids there, right? Gosh. It's like uh, picking up the phone. Right, or recording something off the TV right. on a videotape. Yeah. So, anyway, the copper wants to see James's licence, his ID, and wants to know why he was talking to Daniel. Michael, Michael's already annoyed by this, mm-hmm. and he wants to know why that they uh, were getting pulled over. James is told to step out the car, and Michael is told to keep his ass in the seat. So Michael is not... Pre- prepared just to sit this out and calls the dealership uh, to get them to mm-hmm. because the, the, he's explained that this is a, a rent, right. a, a, they're on a test drive it's right. not his car yet uh, and everything kind of escalates after Michael gets out of the car, the cop turns on his body cam and, and he's calling for backup for some reason, James is handcuffed and while the cop is dealing with Michael James is left on his own handcuffed to be walking along the, the pavement mm-hmm. and he trips falls over and goes over in his ankle. 
And at least one person on the street is recording this uh, on their mobile phone mm-hmm. as PC Tinker finally ambles along. Why? Why do you think? Why? Why would the police officer not have his body cam on as soon as he stepped out of his car to speak with him to begin with in the very beginning? Why? Why wait? And if you're going to wait, why turn it on at all? I don't know what the normal procedure is if they if they're only putting it on if they think that there's a threat of some nature. I don't no, know. over here I would you have, you have to have it on all the time. Yeah, over here you have to have it on all the time. Right, because it shouldn't be a choice. You know. Oh, I don't want to record this, so I'll switch it off. That yeah, doesn't seem to be the right that, thing to do. Yeah, it's not the right thing to do. If somebody is switching theirs off, it's like back in the back in the sixties when police officers would take their badges off before beating protesters up. They still do that to cover up the their number uh-huh. on their uh, shoulders. Yeah. No one is attending to James, although someone has taken his handcuffs off, while Michael loses his cool, insists that the whole stop was racially motivated. And privately, PC Racism claims that James was driving erratically, which he absolutely was not. And if he'd known James was a football player, he wouldn't have pulled him over. Yeah. Yikes, and he's saying all this out loud, and PC Tinker right. seems to pick up something from this admission that, oh, that doesn't sound too great. Yeah, it doesn't sound too great. No, Because it it's not great. Right. <laughs> and, you know, this happens to footballers of both stripes, you know, oh, both yeah, American yeah. footballers and UK footballers, and, you know... Muhammad Ali's son was racially profiled in an airport once and, you know, decorated veterans are profiled all the time. Right. I think Muhammad Ali's daughter was also... I'm I'm, I'm sure every member of oh, Muhammad right. Ali's family right. has been absolutely. racially profiled at some point, as right. all black people have. Yeah, so PC Tinker has tried to, to kind of... It's got PC racism to one side and said... Mm-hmm what you're doing, these are good guys, and I know mm-hmm. them, uh, yeah, and, and, he's a, and a, he's a football player as well, so mm-hmm. like, what on earth are you doing? Mm-hmm. Not, which, not, isn't, which isn't great either. Not that that, <laughs> yeah, not that that should matter, because, right. you know, as, as, as people have pointed out, when, with these real life stories, oh, well, they shouldn't have been talking back, or they shouldn't have run, or oh, you know, it's their own fault because they had a record at some point or they'd stolen a pack of gum at some point in their lives. That shouldn't matter at the time and place. Right. The fact that a, another cop knows them or another cop knows that one of them's a footballer is right. kind of irrelevant. Yeah. And Michael rightly says, you know, oh, when when we say we're not doing anything wrong, you question it. But when White Craig over right. here... When he says it's okay, that says, means it's okay. That means it's okay, mm-hmm. right, yeah. So at the hospital, Aggie briefly wonders why James and Michael were pulled over, but quickly figures it out for herself. James is worried that it's his, it's his ACL that's fucked. Yeah. Michael isn't about to let this filthy cop get away with us. Back home, James is trying to look on the bright side, but needs an operation. It's a torn meniscus, which I don't know if that is the ACL or not. No. It sounds like it's something it's different because it's got a different name. The meniscus. <laughs> Much like uh, my confusion over strep the other week, right? Yeah, and it it is, it's it's more fixable than your ACL. Right, it sounds better. Yep. Michael wants to complain about the copper, but James is dead set against it. 
Michael points out how this keeps happening and they need to do something because at this point he's starting to question himself, which I thought was quite a powerful thing to say. You know, you start to wonder this is happening so often. Is it? Is it me? I don't th- think I've heard that expressed like that before. There's something about Sarah that they mentioned that I don't quite get. He talks about, you know, complaining to Sarah about the last time it happened to him. Oh, was it? Because I thought they were talking about something that happened yesterday. And I was thinking, were they talking to Sarah on Friday? Yeah, something. Michael was talking to Sarah about something that happened to him. And, you know, is talking about something that white people do a lot i have done it before too you have done it we've all all white people have done this at some point have had and lots of men have done it to me when i'm talking about something that happens to women all the time you know if it's not your experience Mm -hmm. you kind of tilt your head and say was that really racially motivated are you sure that was really racially motivated or are you sure that was really because you're a woman? Mm-hmm. Are you sure he was really following you? That sort of thing. So right. that's that's what he's talking about here. I thought they were talking about something that's happened like on Friday's episode, and that completely confused me. So PC Tinker goes to see it the was Baileys. Confusing. He apologizes, saying it's awful when something like this happens. Michael says, "Does this happen to you very often? Because you're pulled over because of your skin color." Right. And PC Tinker insists that PC racism isn't, you know. And when he can't even say the word, Michael's heard enough and lobs him out. James just wants to forget it all. He's put his own neck on the line enough recently. Then Grace goes to see Michael in the pub. With the whole gay thing. Right. Michael appreciates James's position, but he's so angry and someone needs to be held to account over this. Grace offers her ear whenever he needs it and then remembers her incomplete racism story herself. Michael yeah. wants James to make a stand and to do it for glory. And this Not- is... Not lowercase glory. This is the thing. We, we've had two very brief and, and as you said, incomplete mm-hmm. storylines where somebody racially, prof- another police officer racially profiled Michael on the street. Yep. And, and then we had and, the and security he didn't file guard. A complaint. And the security guard, which we're assuming no complaints were filed in that case either. And it, it does make you kind of wonder why... Why, why not? Why now? And also, I find, I find it interesting, and I'm kind of wondering why they didn't get the same actor who racially profiled Michael to racially profile James. Oh, I, I couldn't tell you if they were different or not. Oh, they were different, because the they? other guy was older and shorter and had a beard, or more of a beard, and had darker hair. Well, I think... I, the, when we've had the the incomplete parts of this before, and I, I, I think those are done with this in mind, mm-hmm. because those are those are the events that have made Michael so angry now. Right, that's happened twice before. This is the third time. Now he's he's sufficiently angry about it that he's not wanting to to let it go. Ronnie was sufficiently angry about it. Uh, the last time when it happened to, to Grace, but he's an older man and presumably has been dealing with this for, well, for longer. And so a, he's already angry and about a, it. And again, you know, when it was Ed who was racially profiled, because not let, let's let's not forget the very first time racial profiling was a story on Coronation Street with the Baileys. He wanted to let it go. And he Michael wanted didn't. to let it go and Michael didn't want to let it go. Right. So... 
there's some there's there's some inconsistencies here. In some ways, I kind of feel like James is right that oh. Michael didn't do this when it was when it was him or when it was Grace, the mother of his child. But now that it's his brother, well, he, yeah, who he, he has, wanted to, but he got talked out of it. I don't remember him getting. I don't remember Michael getting talked out of it, or even saying that he was going to file a complaint when it happened to him, or when it happened to Grace. You know, I don't, the rem- I don't remember when it happened to him. I don't remember that, but I remember him being very put out. That's not the right word. <laughs> but he, I remember him being angry with the the Grace one, mm-hmm. and I remember I remember Ronnie being angry with the Grace one, right? And yet, nothing happened. Nothing happened that time. And something really should have happened. Something should have happened all of these times. And let's not. The show seems to be trying to imply that these are the only times any of the Baileys. This is a have been racially profiled mm-hmm. in their lives. Mm-hmm. And let's be quite frank, this sort of thing would have been happening to them on a daily, if, on a weekly, if not a daily basis. To remember the two prior incidents as kind of ignoring the probably 50 incidents that have happened right. between times, right? And let's not forget Aggie's sarcastic, oh, well, we solved racism. Yeah, you know, I. Yeah, I, this is. Yeah, back home it seems that the people who filmed the incident have posted it online, and the comments online accuse the Baileys of playing the race card. Michael wants to go to a lawyer, and James is now on board. He's now sufficiently angry. Right, because this is. This is bad publicity, for. For him yeah. and for his and he's team. He's also been accused of something. And he's already worried about bad publicity with the whole gay thing. Right. So, yeah. It's weird that there's no... It's weird that there aren't... That there's n- not very much... It doesn't sound like there's very much support for the Baileys online. Right. Because typically when these things are recorded online, that's the sort of thing that gets people up in arms Mm -hmm. and with their placards in front of the police station and everything. And it's, you know, that's, this is when members of the British Black Lives Matter groups would be showing up on the Bailey's door and say, no, you know, we'll support you. We'll, we'll help you through this and everything. On Wednesday, Steve runs into James and Grace social media is all gay bashing and racist and accusation of them being uh, compensation hunters. Steve thinks that evidence speaks for itself and James is determined to not let this slide. So James and Michael have made their complaint at the police station. James isn't sure that they were taken seriously but Michael thinks the way the county angle makes it unignorable. Then PC Tinker comes in and he's all alright mate. What are you doing here? Right. Hey. Don't, what's up? Have you forgotten? <laughs> hey guys. Right. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> So PC Tinker learned from PC Racism that James has made a complaint against him and thinks that his reputation is officially shot to shit. He asked PC Tinker to back him up about the erratic driving thing. I'm not a racist, says PC Racism. But... Some of my best friends are also not racist. 
yes. this is going far too far, he says. So Tim and Steve see Craig in the bistro. Craig explains, because he's off work now. Mm-hmm. He was at work, now he's off work. Yeah. Craig explains the situation from his point of view. Steve doesn't think that they'd pull over white folk. And Tim, he's not buying into this white privilege thing because he had a hard upbringing. Craig says that he's ginger and he hasn't had it easy either. <sighs> Steve points out that Tim could test drive any car he'd like without repercussions and the colour of their skin has never been a problem for any of them. Correct. And this is a, a frequent a frequent complaint about the whole white privilege thing is like, well, I had a hard life. Mm-hmm. I got beaten up when I was at school. Mm-hmm. Where's my fucking privilege? Mm-hmm. And the, the point is, well, your, your life hasn't been made harder because you were white. Or or because of the centuries of <laughs> oppression and shared trauma mm-hmm. that people of colour right. have to deal with having, you know, lived in a white society and being, oh, I don't know, the the children of, or the great-great-grandchildren of, well, in this country, the great-great-grandchildren of slaves, and in your country, the great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren of slaves. So great. <laughs> it's, um, <sighs> the word privilege is, isn't doing any favours. Right, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like the complaint, it's, it's like, it, the thing that people don't understand about Black Lives Matter, they're like, well, lives should matter. The point is, is that mm-hmm. for centuries, <laughs> black lives haven't mattered as much as mm-hmm. yours. So in order to elevate everyone, we have to scoop from the bottom and lift up. There we go. Craig comes into the pub and is met by James and Michael. They start getting into it again and PC racism could lose his job, says Craig. Did anybody think about that? And <laughs> he says this to James, mm-hmm. who might lose his career. Yep. Then he insists that he's on their side and tells them to pick their battles. Michael says that's what they've done. The thing about unconscious bias is that it's unconscious. Good call, says Craig. And I'm not sure if he's sarcastic at that point. It kind of sounded like he was. It was kind of weird. Steve and Tim are still talking about racism. Tim thinks that racism is really important, but not everything is about race. Steve points out that Emma's mixed race or dual heritage, as she prefers to be known. Has she gone through the same stuff as them? Yes. Like the whole where are oh. you from thing. Yes. Tim thinks those questions are interesting and he, he's just <laughs> and I, so there's a kind of naivety about it that that is a, is definitely a thing. Right, yeah. And but concedes that they don't ask white people the same question and Steve well, points out that this could make people think that they don't that you think they don't belong here right. by asking them that. See, this argument is lost on you because people ask you this all the time. Yeah. But you know, where's where Steve's point is is that People ask them, and they and they tell them, and it's like, no, no, no. Where where are you from, really from. originally? Mm-hmm. Where are your people from? Mm-hmm. And it's people who have the same accent as them. Right. <laughs> you know? At home, James and Michael are arguing about whether or not to drop the complaint. James, at the moment, only cares about his knee operation. Grace comes down the stairs and offers her, her support to Michael, and then starts to feel up Michael's knee into the bargain. Mm. PC Tinker has the weirdest shift pattern because he's back at work now, yeah. later, speaking again with PC racism. Right, he's he's filling out the report. Mm-hmm. Craig says that he wants an easy life and nothing to do with any of this. So PC racism begs Craig not to mention that James was driving absolutely fine in his report. Mm. And then Grace has some news to cheer Michael up back home. She's relaunched that website that we never knew she had. It's now selling his baby grows and they're a hit. A veritable hit. Woo! Michael is impressed, and Grace asks if he fancied getting his hole. Sure, whatever, says Michael. So they go off and do that. Yeah, Michael, Michael, who 
just last week was saying no I'm chance. never getting back together with Grace because of never, never, never getting back together. Hey, <laughs> see, I can't sing. Uh, I can't sing. God, that. <laughs> but yeah. All he needs Come is a, lot, a little bit of racism all he, thrown at him. All he, all, he, all he needs is for her to rebuild his website <laughs> and start making Sell some, some baby grows. All right. Uh, so that's as far as we get with that. I don't know what's going to happen on, on Friday. Yeah. Um, I um, think that this has been handled better than the first two times it's happened. I've read some interesting things online that I think I agree with. Uh, in terms of, do we have to give the Baileys a racism story? Yeah, um, and I am, I am glad that Steve at least mentions the fact that Emma goes through things like this. I think because mm-hmm. I was thinking last night before I watched these, a racism story I think would be a lot more powerful if it was Emma who got profiled. I completely agree. And, and, you know, because it it does feel like the Baileys were brought in to the show mm-hmm. to say, hey, look, we have a black family now. Right. And then the predominantly white writer's room doesn't know what to do with them, so they keep putting them... In racism stories, and yet, or or in the case of James, gay stories, mm-hmm. because apparently, the only gay man on the street who has to deal with homophobia is also the black one. Right. Apparently, Sean on a and a street full of them. Apparently, Sean <laughs> and Billy and Paul, and that asshole Todd. Mm-hmm. None of them have to deal with homophobia in their daily lives. It's it's still a little shocking to me that not once, not once when Sean was homeless, did his sexuality come into some of the abuse he got. Right. Um, but that's it's neither here. That's that's a complaint for another day. Or um, yeah, or, or, or a year or two ago. A year or two ago. You know, it's and. You know, the the show put up this thing on Twitter saying Coronation Street has always been inclusive, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And there were black people who watched the show who said, hmm, <laughs> what are you, what are you, who are you trying to convince with this? Right. Who is this for? Right. And And a lot of them are also saying, as far as the storyline, who is this for? Because especially with a lot of some of the luxury stuff, especially from Steve trying to explain to Tim what white privilege and unconscious bias means and and, and throwing words around, you know, (laughs) and labels around and everything. The people, the people who need to learn this, you know, don't appreciate being preached to in this way and lectured and the people who already know and are already very active in their lives trying to fight the unconscious bias in their lives every day Mm -hmm. 
already know. Right. You know, so it's. Uh, I, I agree. It, I thought that was ill advised. It's, yeah, you know, and before they turned the comments off on that placard on Twitter, which they turned the comments off, yeah, that, that's which why is it's never a good sign. <laughs> You know, some of the complaints were, oh, God, another racism story. I don't like being lectured to and mm-hmm. everything, blah, 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 blah. I, um, you know, I, I made a conscious decision yesterday and today to kind of stay off Twitter as far as the storyline is concerned. Because I kind of felt like some of the frustrations that I had about it that I was expressing on Twitter on Monday may have come across to some people as a bit shrill. A word that I hate because it describes women who, well, anyway. Yeah, sometimes it describes well, though. <laughs> this is me flipping the bird to Gav over on the other side of the earth. Well, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> no, but I was the shrill one. I'm, I'm agreeing with that. Anyway, and felt that maybe it would be better to, to wait Watch the episode. Always be able to watch the episodes. And, and, and talk about it here where I can be clear and concise and have have the ability to expound without typey-typey right. limited amount of words. Um, yeah, it doesn't... I, I think it's good that they're finally incorporating other people on the street into this and we're seeing some we're seeing craig kind of being put in a position to lie about his friends and also we see craig and tim um show some of their unconscious bias yeah they don't get it no they really they really don't get it. And it's nice that Steve gets it because his daughter's black. Right. But, you know, I'm sure, you know, I, I felt it was really weird and interesting that in all of that, and maybe he wasn't there yet, that Dev doesn't speak up, you know, and talk about some of the profiling, profiling that happens to him. Because, again, brown people get it just as bad as black people. But he's an Asian man who has a corner shop. He's He's... He's bound to have uh, experienced this, right? Yeah, the whole several times since I started the sense. The whole Apu effect, right? You know, and um, yeah, it's just there. There are ways. There, there are ways of getting this point across. There's, there are ways of creating an environment in the show where. You can raise awareness without very important storyline mm-hmm. headlines and also having characters lecture one another, especially when a whole bunch of white characters start to lecture one another. You know, one of the things that I had a problem with with the whole Izzy thing a few weeks ago is that it was an awful lot of people talking about Izzy and at Izzy mm-hmm. and not an awful lot of Izzy expressing herself. Um, and no, it, Izzy and it was feels, hanging up. That's right, what Izzy yeah. Did. Izzy, and Izzy and that was... But there were times when Izzy didn't hang up, like when she called Gary and said, you need to take our child. It would have been nice to have seen that. It would have been nice mm-hmm. to have had that um, 
to watch. And unconscious bias happens in so many little weird ways. And, and again, and I know I'm beating a dead horse with this. And I know that they have hired people, not black people, but they have hired people from, you know, minor, minority, you know, disabled people. Of course, it's a white guy. So anyway, not not to knock anybody's ability to write a story, but you really have to, if you're going to do this right, you need to get more black people into the room and behind the camera. It can't just be black people in front of the camera. You know, and you asked me a really good question the other day. You're like, well, why can't white men write stories about racism? And I was a little too worked up to really kind of answer that question at the time. The basic thing is, is well, no, no, it's okay. Fine, whatever. But the problem with it is, and the reason why so many black creators and so many female presenting creators are frustrated and say we need more women and black people behind the camera is that our stories have been told by straight white men for centuries. And it's always been through the white male gaze. You know, gays, not gays. <laughs> um, G-A-Z-E. I don't think anybody was confused about it. <laughs> yeah, no. But, but sure, I, take five more seconds to explain it. <laughs> but um, so some things white men get right, but most of the time when you're telling a woman's story or you're telling a black person's story, you're seeing it from your point of view and your point of view an awful lot of the time is like doesn't get it right and unfortunately these are the stories that we have seen and so we internalize those stories and they become our stories even though we know that they're not accurate and so it's and it's really important for shows like Coronation Street to start getting things like this right because there's so much out there by black creators by female creators that's awesome and excellent and great and gets the stories right but let's be honest the people who really need to see those stories who are watching coronation street are not watching pose are not watching i may destroy you are not watching lovecraft country are not watching these things so there's a big responsibility to shows like coronation street where those people who really need the message are to start getting things right. And, you know, I applaud them for trying. And I think there were aspects of the story that were good and things have improved, but it's still not right yet. It's getting there close. I, I like the fact that, that Craig, because God, I've been moaning for that for something to happen like this with Craig right, yeah. um, for a while, that he, the, the synopsis on uh, on, the, on the episode tonight was uh, Craig faces a, di- a dilemma. Yeah. 
He doesn't face a dilemma. This shouldn't be a dilemma. <laughs> it's like tell the truth. Tell the truth. Right? It's as simple as that. Right. Tell the truth. Yeah. If PC racism loses his job, well, he shouldn't have been racist. Right. right. <laughs> so, so tell the truth. So Exactly. So him it becoming a dilemma in his... Uh, Bad apples spoil the whole barrel. Well, a dilemma for, for Craig in this situation, because he's kind of shown himself to be a little bit ignorant in it. Mm-hmm. Um, or is, uncomfortable with it. It's interesting from from his character's point mm-hmm. of view that he's got something that is... It's a, a story that is affecting his his being as a character. Right. That he's hopefully going to have an epiphany at some point. Right. When was the last time Craig had an epiphany about... Anything. Anything. So that part of it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it makes you wonder if... There have been times in his in his career as a policeman, and I'm sure there have been, right. where things like this have happened, and he didn't. No, he would, he, he would didn't get unaware, it because right. they weren't his friends, right. <laughs> you know. But the thing that re- the the comment that I really picked up on uh, on Twitter, and I think it was from the Town and Country uh, Web Soap Twitter account, was that black people are about more than racism stories, right. and that. They're not monolithic. Right. And I thought that's put absolutely beautifully. Yes. That um, there is more to this family. There should be more to this mm-hmm. family than them getting stopped and searched all the time. Right. Or getting accused of shoplifting all the right. time. Or they can't they can't have anything nice for, right. for for want of somebody accusing them of theft. Yeah, they have to be. They have to be more than that. Right, and again, and that's where the Emma being tackled for for this sort of thing would have been. A, it would have been at a, least a, a little more interesting, on it, right? right? And again, this is why they need some black people in the writers' room to to give the Baileys that those stories. But even you know, it's weird because they seem to be able to. To give Emma's storylines that have nothing to do with her race. Mm-hmm. Ruby hasn't had to deal with this yet. I mean, I'm sure right. she has, but right. it hasn't been a storyline. And even people who are attached to the Baileys get involved in other people's storylines and do a good job. You know, Ronnie got a storyline that was not, had nothing to do uh, uh, nothing. with racism. Ended up shagging Jenny. Da- yeah. Danny, you know, played a part in the whole Curtis and Emma thing that had nothing to do with racism. Mm-hmm. You know? It is possible. And there are ways of incorporating the fact that these people are black and they have to deal with this every day without it becoming the big story and this is our very important storyline that people really need to watch this storyline because it is very important everything about the baileys has to be on a boilerplate right and because i've said boilerplate that means sadly we need to move on to the next storyline yes which is hope's death collage (laughs) she really likes she really likes ripping the heads off of things doesn't she oh you shush you're spoiling On Monday, Ty has slept on the couch and just like his card, his apology is declined by Alina, who mm-hmm. is still embarrassed about his show with Fizz and Phil from yesterday. Mm-hmm. I hope your neck hurts a lot, she says. Doesn't really scan well. Scathing words indeed from Alina. Mm-hmm. Ty is looking for which flowers he should buy to apologise to Alina. Steve, the husband of a florist, recommends 20 quid's worth. Hope, right, and was- also, you know, 
That's not the reason why Tyrone asked him, though. No. <laughs> like, you've been in the doghouse a lot in your life. Mm-hmm. Steve immediately puts up his... Uh, right. Puts up his and guard he, there. And Steve rightly says, okay, which one are you apologizing to? Right. Because you owe them both an apology. <laughs> Hope, who's expecting Ty to buy her trainers, is not happy when he tells her it'll need to wait. Why do the children on this street go through trainers so, so much? So many trainers. So many trainers. The, it's the cobbles, isn't it? The furniture thing, Ty has a big floral arrangement for Alina. He and Fizz argue over whether Phil's weird and Alina's a bimbo. Hope has had enough and demands her attention on a school project she's working on at Fizz's desk. Hope has made a collage of the family. Aww. And Tyrone's nose is out of joint already to see that Alina is put as far to the right as possible, separated from the rest of the family by Cerberus's massive pile of dog shits. <laughs> Also, she's made Phil muscly like Rock the Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> but only in one arm, which <laughs> has so many questions. <laughs> Did say it was Phil the Wanker, right? <laughs> Not this one, the last one. Hmm. Hope and Fizz laugh at Ty, who is totally jelly. Right, he, is, he at first assumes that the one with all the muscles is him. Mm-hmm. Because he has a beard. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> And it's taller than Fizz. Back at the flat, Alina is still in the mood with Ty. She thinks that he's still obsessed with Fizz and he explains about the art project, which meant that he missed his lunch appointment with her, which I'd completely mm-hmm. forgotten about. Uh, and he tells her that um, Hope's made a collage and she's in it. Right. He, he omits her... the dog shit part, though. <laughs> Ty still has some sand in his foreskin about Phil, though. They don't know him. And Alina is stressed, so... Uh, he goes to run her a bath and dings a request from Hope to keep Alina sweet. Back at the factory thing, Hope is not happy at this and tears up the Alina cut out. Yeah, she rips the head off of Alina and the baby. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. By the way, Isabella Flanagan, I said this on Twitter, since she came back from COVID, mm-hmm. she's matured a little bit. Yes. And she's more confident as an actress. Yes. And she's putting a little bit more of herself into it. Mm-hmm. And it is working so well. She's a good reactor. <laughs> she is brilliant. Yeah. On Wednesday, Tyrone has bought Alina a peace offering. It's a photo of the baby scan. I love it, says Alina. I love you too, says Tyrone. <laughs> And he's also bought a wee baby hat, even if it is bad luck. And a teddy in the way they count the oh, kit. She, baby boots. Baby booties are bad luck. Boots. Yeah. In life, you pick your team and you stick with it, says Tyrone, which I'm sure will not come which back makes, to bite him in the arse. Which makes everybody in the audience <laughs> kind of clutch their collar a little. Just a little bit. <laughs> Tynalina have hope at the flat. She's still sore about the trainer debacle and isn't keen on being pleasant to either of them. He has money for baby clothes, for fuck's sake, she says. Tyrone gaslights her about what he said and, and when he said it. And he, she's not wrong. This baby's not going to be born tomorrow, but right. she needs shoes now. Right. I didn't uh-huh. tell you this week. I told you next right. week. Right. He also told her he was skint and he had no money. And mm. then she sees him buying all this baby stuff. Fuck this, says Hope. And she stomps off to the bathroom. Later, Tyrone points out that Hope has been loved and spoiled forever, so now it's someone else's turn to get his love. Yikes. Then Alina announces that Ty has bought the cot after all. You have got to be fucking kidding me, says Hope. Right. She's like, you know I can hear you, right? (laughs) Ty drops Hope. He can't buy her shoes. He can't buy her $60 shoes, but he can buy like $1,000 cot. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he was going to get an old one from number right, one. Right, he was going to use Hope's old one. 
Ty drops Hope back with his and back at the flat, Tyrone can't find that teddy bear anywhere. Isn't that weird? Hmm. I wonder where that could be. Hmm. And that's as far as we get with that. I bet it's headless. <laughs> Wherever, Wherever it is, it is it's it is missing its head. Are we being um, ridiculous here, suggesting even that that Hope is going to kill? <laughs> Isn't she? Or she's going to try? She has a tendency she's to start gonna, fires. She's going to push Alita in front of a car at some point. She has a tendency to start fires. And she's she stepped, you know, she herself stepped in front of a car. Remember? Hmm. To get Alina into trouble. And I'd, I'm... Part of me really wants this to happen, right? And but the, another part, part of me of is me, shocked at what this is going to do to Isabella Flanagan psychologically to be playing a child murderess. Look, <laughs> kids have been playing child murderers in horror films from time immemorial and they all grow up fine, except for that one girl from... Except for that one time when it went horribly wrong. <laughs> Your thoughts on this? Because, again, it seems like we have uh, Tyrone doing his best to get back in the good books with Alina here. And and neglecting his children to do it. Right. And Alina not saying, oh, wait a second. You know, you really need to take care of your children. Mm-hmm. And also, and she also, has a job. She could be buying things like this. Right. And also, wait a second. If this is how you deal with your children that you already have... Mm-hmm. Yeah, how the fuck are you going to deal with mine when the, the novelty wears off? Maybe instead of an MSU t-shirt, we should have bought him <laughs> Worst Father of the Year Award yeah, plaque. I don't think he would have worn that. the Worst Father of the Year. I said well, Worst Father of the Year, not best. Well, they're, they're still... But both we already, of them are still pretty poor. Fizz is better now, but she has her moments. She does have her moments. She is better. I mean, she was better even even back then when they were both horrible. Mm-hmm. But Ty is still horrible, and if anything, he's even worse. And they're still pushing this whole thing of Alina seeming to think that only now people are staring at her and, right. you know. She's a scarlet woman. At, at least at least now. She's been the magenta woman for at least a month. At least now there are people on the street who talk to her without pointing out the fact that, that she, she broke up her family. Mm-hmm. You know, because Toya is very kind to her in the office. Yeah, they're having a little wee bit chit chat. That right, yeah. But she's been nice to Alina, so she can be horrible to Laura, basically. Well, Laura deserves it more than Alina does. This is true. So, you know, I, uh, well, let's move on to that, shall we? Because this is our penultimate storyline, would you believe? Because we're going to talk about Monday and Wednesday. We'll have to pick up Friday next week. Laura's big scoop. On Monday, Laura the Chin is late getting to work and Toya, the new senior sales advisor, comes down on her like a ton of bricks for that and for not hoovering properly. It seems that Sarah emptied out uh, Toya's hole punch on the floor as a test. Yeah. And Laura failed, failed. miserably. She then overhears how James was paid 30 grand in another storyline for his exclusive story. and she, This gives her an idea. Right, yeah. So she meets with Chris, the reporter in the bistro, and demands 30 grand for her story. Chris points out that they can't pay until the trial and... Because and also, it's Killage the Weather Gazette. Age. It's right. not some fancy schmancy magazine. Mm-hmm. It's not a big gay magazine. Right. Who doesn't want your story, Laura? So Laura wants half now, half on publication. 
And I don't know what Chris says to this, but she ends up catching up with Daniel on the street and tells him about Laura the Chin demanding money for Kelly the Chin's story. Just a heads up in case she ends up coming to you, says Chris. And and Daniel's like, yeah, I already noticed you're clear of that one. And it's nice nice to see that it seems like Chris is not interested in this anymore either. Well, I think just because of the price tag though, right? Well, no, I think... She's a journalist. There's a story there. Are you saying that all journalists are are dirty and, you know... Kinda. They're not. There, there are good journalists still out there. We're not talking about Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Chris from the Weather Gazette, though. This is no, somebody but who still. needs to fill, fill pages <laughs> with... You've seen the headlines for the Weather Gazette. It's fine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So Daniel goes over the situation to Imran and Toya, who are both stunned. How on earth are they going to explain this to Kelly the Chin? And I was kind of thinking, probably Kelly would I'm sure imagine Kelly this is be happening surprised. anyway. Right? Yeah. Daniel leaves as Laura comes in and Toya can't help herself, accusing Laura of selling her daughter down the river. Laura could not give a fuck and explains that she's only thinking of Kelly's future for when she gets out of a little nest egg and stuff. Mm-hmm. So Imran goes to see Kelly in prison and it seems that Kelly got more out of her mum's visit last week than we had thought, saying that Laura was interested in her and keen to know uh, how and what she was feeling. Imran points out that that was all likely about the newspaper story that she's trying to sell. So Laura's late for work again, so Sarah fires her just as the cops come in and arrest Laura for child cruelty. Dum dum dum. Dum dum dum. Laura blames Toya, who denies having anything to do with it, but approves of the development. You know, it's it's... In hindsight, it's kind of shocking that social services didn't arrest her to begin with for abandoning Kelly the Chin. Right? For months? Months ago. (laughs) So Toya goes home to tell Imran what happened and he thinks that Toya was behind the um, grassing her up to the cops too. And Toya's like, fuck's sake, does everybody think it's me? (laughs) It wasn't her. No. Well, it wasn't me, says Imran. So who was it? So Imran hmm. and Toya called Kelly to explain how Laura has been arrested and Kelly announces that she was the one who grasped her mum up to the police and reported her. She's done letting her mother hurt her. Good for you, Kelly. Yes, good girl. On Wednesday, Imran and Toya are in Royal Rolls chatting about the news that Kelly the Chin grasped up her own mum. Toya worries how the other kids inside will treat her because of this, but Imran is more worried about what this does to ITV Corey and his legal team and what they can do with this information, making it out that she was born and she doesn't have a moral compass and she's kind of feral. Yeah. Imran and Toya go to see Kelly the Chin and she explains her childhood with Laura. The abandonment, the violence, the neglect, a chib in her eyebrow. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, that was Rex. Social services want to speak to her about it too and Imran and Toya promised to stand by her through all this. So that's what they do. Oh, oh, oh. When you said that, I thought you you said a chin in her eyebrow. Oh, a chib. You mean like the scar? Mm -hmm. They finally explained the scar. Right. Right. I think it was her dad in real life that done it. Or did no, she ran she into fell. something? She ran and she fell fell into something, yeah. Right. She did it to herself. Oh, yeah, I didn't mean that her dad had done it like by, <laughs> by beating her up or anything like that. I thought no. it was like a, just an accident that had happened yeah. in the family or whatever. Right. But I remember them. I remember reading about that because right. I thought that it's, it's so edgy. Yeah, so many people thought she did it herself to right. make herself look more edgy, edgy which is... It's I'm so scar. glad that they had Kelly the Chin explain it. It's a scar and it's, it still looks edgy. Mm-hmm. So she explains all this to um, to social services and, and she said, this is before I even talk about my dad and that's another complete mm-hmm. fucking dumpster fire. 
Which is kind of shocking because, you know, Kelly the Chin, up until this point, has always been seemingly a lot more affectionate towards her dad. And her dad was mm-hmm. the one who saved her from right, her she mom. She realized, I think. This, this was like, the point when she started saying, oh, and this doesn't even get to my dad. This is when I started to worry that maybe she may be making some of this up. She stuck to this all the way through. Yeah. That our mum beat her up and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's a great wee scene. Yeah. And she's got a little glass of water. And it's only when she puts it down that you realise that there's been this kind of humming in the background that mm-hmm. stops when the um, the glass is put down. I really yeah. like that. It was really nice. And man's watching this and is like, holy fuck. Yeah. So he I'm and glad Toya, he's there, though. Yep. They defrag at the bistro, just overwhelmed with the Kelly the Chin business. They need to pick her up and get her, uh, give her some strength ahead of the trial. She needs... Uh, she needs to be strong so ITV Corey doesn't get away with pinning everything on her. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have an awful lot more no. to say about that. I'm glad that we're finally talking about this. It seems like this is a build-up to, mm-hmm. you know, a trial happening soon right. and everything. It seems like this has been on the back burner for quite some time. So. There's so many stories, though, though at the moment that have been left hanging. We haven't seen Peter in forever. Yeah. We haven't uh, seen what's happening with... No, and not since the, the day that we found out he was a vampire. Right. What's going on with Ryan and Alia and Daisy? Well, Ryan's back and Daisy's back from, what was it, Ibiza that they would do? No, they were going to, they were going to skiing at... Uh, oh, yeah. I can't remember the name of the resort. Yeah. I think it was, it was well, a he was difficult supposed to, to be place. DJing there. Right. Yeah, well, Which he managed, was... To, he managed to fly out and fly back out shit themselves, so good for him. A weird yeah. thing to happen with that storyline. But anyway, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of... They've got an awful lot of plates spinning. They do. But in this one, they're doing a good job of making me want Kelly the Chin not to be guilty. When I'm pretty sure I remember seeing her stick a boot in. That she... At least she once. was involved. Yeah, she was involved, but she's not the one who she. I we saw her kick Nina. I don't think we saw her kick Seb. No, I don't think so. You know, and I think I think she. I think when she uh, was talking about the fact that when she realized how bad this had gotten, how serious this had gotten, that she had gone down and tried to shield Seb, and that's why, you know. His blood and brain matter were on her. But Yeah. Hmm. I don't she's 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 not as guilty as Corey. But see, none of them are as guilty as Corey, because Corey is the one who instigated this in the first place. Right. But I think we're being guided into thinking that Corey is a bad guy that we want to get sent down and Kelly the Chin isn't. And I'm wondering if there's more to it than that. Hmm. Who knows? Our final storyline today is where there's a naked weather field. Because we've got... <laughs> there's a way. Right, we've got a couple of storylines going to join in. On Monday, Curtis meets up with Emma and Roy Rose and they clear the air about yesterday. She'll wait until he asks for help in future, which he immediately does, before pointing out that she has a foam tash from her latte that is I know. on her face for a good two minutes. I thought... I, and I thought she was waxing. She, she, <laughs> So did I. I thought that she was waxing and had forgotten to take her strip off. Right. Because she's there 
for so long with Ages. it on, you know. And we've had this before, the Emma with foam on her lips thing before. Mm-hmm. I'm so, only pleased that she didn't have her fist stuck off her no base, base as well. <laughs> Just go for this. Curtis seems to find it cute and endearing, though, so I'll, I'll let it go. Right. Addy sees somewhat in Roy's roles and gives her some chat that quickly descends into him sounding like he wants to have sex with a male plasterer. It turns out that Summer is looking at plastering courses online for that Will character if he ever answers his fucking phone. Addy is impressed and tells her that she's perfect. Cheers, mate, says Summer. Yeah, you're all right, bud, says Addy, and then kind of punches himself in the face for being so terrible at this. Right, yep. And they're over, Curtis and Emma are explaining to Steve and Mary their plans for the calendar launch party. There's calendar shots, there's behind-the-scenes footage that apparently was getting filmed that we didn't know anything about, and they're going to screen the full Monty as a um, headline act. Mm-hmm. Steve thinks this is great, and Mary is looking forward to seeing the detail nice and crisp on a big HD TV. <laughs> Summer gets home and Billy and Todd do their usual pretend-like-something's-wrong act, mm-hmm. which is so tired. But no, they want her to be a bridesmaid at their wedding. They've got so a, much of their relationship is tired. Let's be honest. They've got a gift and want her to get a smashing dress too. So Billy and Todd, who don't work at the factory, have blindfolded someone who also doesn't work at the factory, and all three of them are at the factory where Nina has agreed to fashion Summer's bridesmaid's dress, and Sally's going to make it for them. Ah, I wonder if Sally knows this yet. <laughs> Summer isn't sure because Nina hates her and everything, but she's quickly convinced that it's going to be okay because mm-hmm. Nina literally has nothing better to do. <laughs> so Nina measures up Summer, who wonders if Nina got it right. She seems to be a bit conscious that she's uh, putting a little bit away. Mm-hmm. Nina has some preliminary sketches that are enough to make Billy and Todd act appallingly with each other. Oh, God. Back home, Summer reveals that she's put on weight, which Billy dismisses as being down to her medication, and Todd hasn't noticed because he's a total prick. And also... Because you can't, you know, she may have been, she may have put a little bit of weight on, but she had lost an awful lot of weight mm-hmm. beforehand. So this is not, it's not a bad thing. Right. You know, she's worried that it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. On Wednesday. Today. <sighs> today. Shuffling the muscle. A day a that will live in, in infamy. Infamy. <laughs> infamy, infamy. They've all got it in for me. <laughs> On Wednesday then, mm-hmm. Billy and Todd are making wedding plans at Roy's. Billy thinks that disposable cameras on tables are still a thing, and it's Roy that has to point out that... Everybody has a camera in their pocket, Billy. Mm-hmm. It's called a portable telephone. According to Roy. He's trying to do the Friends thing when Chandler and Monica got married and they all had the little cameras. And I think I've been to a wedding that had uh, disposable cameras. I did that at one of... at. My second wedding. You weren't there, though, so you wouldn't remember. I have a horrible memory that I did something appalling with that disposable camera. Oh, oh, people did appalling things at, at my wedding to John I, with the disposable cameras. I got lots of pictures of toilets and penises. Yes, I think, yeah. I, I, yeah. think I took at least a photograph of my uh, pubic area. Yes. So maybe uh, you were there. I'm sorry, Don Niblo. <laughs> What was I thinking? <laughs> was drinking just, involved? Just, yes. just, just, just to reassure you, you're not the only drunk guy at a wedding who did things like that. You would be really funny. <laughs> if I took a photo of my pubes. Nobody's ever done that before. <laughs> oh, geez, Scooby Doo was drunk at my wedding. I knew it. Good. 
See, he dresses up as a woman. He dresses up as a woman in the back of the photographs, but you can still tell her that's a great den. So Summer is on her way into town when she runs into Will, who has splurged on some AirPods. That'll be the Todd money coming through. Mm. The two of them decide to go and investigate that college thing that Summer has been bugging them about for weeks. Yeah, where they're going to get plastered. Right. Wah, wah. Meanwhile, Mary has decked out the community garden. What a fantastic job that she's done of it. Yes. For the calendar launch. And Paul passes by as Billy is telling Mary about setting a date for his wedding and not inviting pathetic exes like Paul. Right, yeah. With Paul right behind him. Right. I hate Billy so much. so much Back from the town Summer and Will are chatting about Todd and Billy's wedding And Summer mentions that the Thousand uh, pounds Todd used to Bail Billy out Will realises that this is the grand that Todd held back From him and he manages to hide His anger as the two of them head to Roy's, Roy's Rolls mm-hmm. So in Roy's Rolls Summer can sense That something's up with Will and so After a little bit of prodding he tells her That Todd is a dictionary Definition sociopath Yes and Summer's like, what? Really? He explains that he paid him to get Paul out of the picture. And Summer thinks that he's lying and jealous, although I'm not sure. Yeah, what why would be he be of. jealous of? What, 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 what? Do you think Will wants to date Todd? Right. Todd is a scumbag, says Will, and he also stole that heat pump. Summer calls him jealous again. Yeah. And says, I'm not wasting my time on you. And rushes out. In the community garden, Ryan has got his hands on that enormous TV. Dev wanders by, sees it, and practically faints at the thought of his Kiwi <laughs> blown up to that size. He does, he's almost, he's almost what you'd describe as incognito. He has his sunglasses yeah, he's got his shades on, on yeah. and he does a little double take when he uh-huh. sees the, uh, the television, takes his shades off and his eyes practically pop Boing. out of his head. It's already a gif. Yeah. Before I could make a gif, it was already a gif. Of course it was. So good. And somebody mentioned, do you think anyone gives Dev direction anymore? <laughs> just they just be Dev. They don't have to. He's just that good. It really is. So, uh, at home, Summer confronts Todd about her meeting with Will and his accusations. Todd laughs off. Don't you laugh at me, says Summer. Todd apologises and says, look, this is all so far-fetched. And without denying anything, he tells her to stay away from Will in future. This seems to be enough to placate Summer. Outside, Will tries to speak with Paul, but he's not interested, so Will airdrops him the video, and it looks like Paul's not interested in that neither. Mm. Dev heads to the bistro with Chez, Steve and Tim ahead of the calendar release. Mary tries to corral them all at the community garden for the launch, but they all bottle out on poor Emma. And I was like, why are they balling out of this? Because they don't want to see their boobies up on that screen? Yeah, the bobbies are covered. Right? I don't know why they're... And even even Dev has nothing to complain about because they, for the, for the on the big screen, his Kiwi's going to be edited out. They cropped it out. Yeah. I don't know why they're all being so nasty. Because they're assholes. Because so, they're, un, they're not comfortable in their mas- enough in their masculinity. But collectively, like, they like should you are. be. Collectively, you'd have thought they'd be... Oh, well, you know, we'll get drunk and it'll be fine. And it's also weird because there's supposed to be 13 people in this calendar. Yeah, and there's There's five of them at the bistro. Five of them at the bistro and only five of them apparently invited? Let's not investigate that too deeply. No. The street gathers at the community garden with Paul hovering around the AV gear. Emma makes a speech referencing loads of people who aren't there, including Curtis, who must be dead somewhere. (laughs) 
She hits play on the laptop to play the behind the scenes video, but that's not what plays. <gasps> it's Will vi- Will's it's Will's video from the funeral parlour where Todd confesses everything. Yes. Todd grabs his collar. Billy behind him frowns. Mm. The video continues as no one seems able to stop it, and everyone hears it all: how Todd deliberately split Paul and Billy, how he stole the heat pump, and how he was behind a grassy knoll in Dallas. <laughs> Tell me it's not true, says Billy, who then says, don't insult my intelligence, you when, cruel man. When he was about ready to tell him it's not true. Right. How could you, says Summer as she runs away. Like, tell me you were just joking. Right. Or you were delirious or something. Funny. Billy says, proven that he's a man of the cloth here. The sixth commandment is thou shalt not kill again. So Billy doesn't kill Todd like he did with Sarah Barlow. <laughs> Susan Barlow, give me a chance to explain, says Todd. Later, Steve thinks they should all go to the party after all. Mm -hmm. Dev still isn't convinced, but Tim talks him round with the idea of gasps of appreciation. See, this is why I would have thought that they would want to be there. Right, they they should have all talked themselves into this. Let's finish our pints first, though. In Roy's role, Summer's feeling sorry for herself. Supposedly, she's clever, but she believed Todd over Paul. Addy tells her that she was manipulated, so don't go too hard on yourself. And she says, I'm as thick as the something or other. Uh-huh. And Addy repeats her. And uh, Summer uh, goes to explain that the something or other she was talking about was the crust of the earth. Right. And Addy's like, yeah, don't Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> We're both smart kids. Mm-hmm. Paul comes in to apologise for the sideshow that Summer had to watch. It wasn't really about her and he was sorry that she was involved in it. But she's the one who wants to apologise to him. Good. So by the time all the guys get there to the community garden, Mary is cleaning up. On her own. She explains about the brouhaha and Steve goes off to find Emma. The calendar remains unlaunched and Tim seems to be put out that his picture hasn't been made public yet. Yeah, which which makes me very curious about Tim's picture because... Well, we see a bit of it later. Because, because we didn't get to watch his... Any of that, right. Back home, Billy calls Todd Charles Manson in skinny jeans, <laughs> which is superb. <laughs> It is a little bit like uh, Norman Bates with a briefcase, but mm-hmm. Todd incredibly doubles down, thinking that what he was doing was for the best for everyone, although Summer getting hurt was unfortunate. Billy is amazed that Todd is still to say sorry. Sorry is for wimps, says Todd. Which shocked us. I'm really shocked by that. Because, not not because we didn't realise well before now that Todd is, in fact, a sociopath, but because we've heard him say sorry before. Mm-hmm. You know, for other things, and he didn't mean it when he said sorry before. Right. And in this case, he's not sorry. He's only sorry that he got caught. Right. You know, he's not sorry for doing all of these things. He still thinks he's in the right. Mm-hmm. He still thinks he did the best thing for everybody, and he's trying to convince Billy of this. Right. Oh, I did this for us because you know you're better than than Paul, and you know. Yeah, Paul's too you erratic. Deserves, you just des- yeah. That was hilarious. Seriously. You deserve something better. And <laughs> Billy's like, it's like listening to a, a serial killer talk about his crimes. Right. And it's like, get over yourself, Billy. But also, yeah, he's kind of right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Haven't I proved I loved you, says Todd? No, says Billy. You've proved you're a psycho. <laughs> in the pub, David is chuffed for Paul. And when Todd comes in, he finds that no one's pleased to see him. And at home, remember Billy- when we 
time we thought Daniel was going to be Paul's new best friend because Daniel and Paul were living together. Right, but now it's now it's David. David, because sure, at home Billy seems to have thrown Todd out for good. He apologises to Summer for letting her down again. She reminds him that they were fine before; they'll be fine again. Todd had us all fooled. Well, all of you, mm. really? Didn't fool Paul. Curtis isn't dead, or at least he isn't dead anymore. And they wander around uh, him and Emma. <laughs> Looking he's, at pics from the calendar in the windows of the cab office in the kebab shop. He's Schrodinger's Curtis. <laughs> right. They've sold three more calendars in the time it's taken to look at that, so maybe this was all worthwhile. Back in the pub, David tells Todd that he has more front than Blackpool. Paul yeah, tells Dev him, has done this nice thing of posting pictures, mm-hmm. you know. and Covering up the vitals. Right, yeah. Just saying, Want to see more? Order the calendar right. here. Which is good marketing, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's almost as if that Dev is a good businessman or something. Right. Paul tells Todd to read the room and fuck off home. Billy and Summer leave the flat, and when they do, they see Todd is sitting on Maxine's bench when PC Tinker's getting his money's worth out of today. He comes <laughs> along. Hello, hello, hello. What's, What's all, all this, this then? And he lifts, Come along with me, sir. He lifts Todd for theft, and Todd shouts at Billy, how could you grass me up? And Billy and Summer announce that they both grassed him up. Paul sees us from the other side of the street as he comes out of the rovers. Fucking tell the lot of you, he says, as he cockily walks down Coronation Street. Yes. And that's how we end this week's episodes up until Wednesday. Yeah. Yay! Finally! Finally is happening to Todd (laughs) right in front of our face. Get it up right up your hole. You're a bastard. (laughs) Beautiful, my darling. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. You, You are... I'm a Such a graceful lyricist. Channeling my Burt Bacharach as I, <laughs> as I was singing that. Oh, no, they... This has, for my money anyway, lived up to the build-up yeah. and lived up to the expectations. Lived up to the hype. The way that the... Um, the way that his pants were pulled down in mm-hmm. front of everyone. Yeah. How Todd was exposed mm-hmm. at a naked calendar launch... The irony of that is yes. just beautiful. In a calendar he wasn't asked to pose in. Right. I loved it. Yeah. I took so much joy from seeing... I felt seeing bad for Emma, but, you know, Def made it up to her. And right. I guess that's okay. Right. Yeah, that was a, a shame that that had to yeah. be classed as a failure because nothing... I Emma was, should never be unhappy. I was kind of surprised that Paul was able to figure out how to... Operate anything. Play it. Right. But, you know... Because we... I felt we were kind of missing that bit. Yeah. We, we, we saw him kind of dingy the, the the text that he got. I'd rather see him yeah, we saw him just like, hitting yeah, play. Just, and I don't think we saw that. No. So I was like, oh, who's done this? Has Curtis done this? Mm-hmm. That seems a little bit more believable than Paul. No right. offense to Paul. Right. You know, and then you kind of see Ryan in the background. And it's like, oh, was this something that Ryan and Paul cooked up together? But then that doesn't seem to really have been what happened. And doesn't Emma say, this isn't my laptop? Yeah. So this was Paul's laptop? Hooking your laptop up to a big screen isn't difficult. But You'd think it's not difficult, but I have done it many times and sometimes it's not difficult and sometimes it is difficult <laughs> because <laughs> there are gremlins in all of our electronics. Sure, sometimes things just decide not to work. Right. But, but the way it was like queued up and it it played immediately, mm-hmm. you know, and it was weird because he, it, 
Todd keeps shouting, turn it off. And everybody's like, I don't, I, I don't know how to do that. I can't, it's not stopping and I don't know why. Emma's jabbing the remote control at it because if she jabs it hard, that'll make it work. Like there are hands patting cords. We see hands patting cords. Flat hands patting cords. Like, I don't know how to do this. Somebody set all this stuff up. Right. Ryan, you set this up. Just pull the plug out of it. I'm glad it didn't, obviously. No, yeah. But what a way. But it was Todd's reluctance to, to take eat. any responsibility yeah. for anything that happened. And still feel that he was in the right. What, what now for him? Yeah, that's the question. Can he live on the street? Is his mum even going to take him back? Right, because it seems that everybody hates him about this. Because Rightly Chesney so. Because hates him because Gemma's Paul's Paul, right. uh, sister, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that whole house hates him. Right. Emma's probably hating him because yeah, he messed up the thing. fucked up the, the launch Well, thing. I think everybody hates him because he's a sociopath who did a really evil thing. Right. So what, what for him and what for for Billy? And I really want this, I really, really, really want this not to happen for Paul and Billy to even think about getting back together again. I really hope that doesn't happen. Two things that uh, Paul needed from this mm-hmm. was vindication to be proved that he was right. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. And that's why I like the way tonight's episodes ended with Paul on the other side of the street mm-hmm. walking in the opposite direction. Because you'll remember that when they came together, the, the side of the street was an important metaphor and they're mm-hmm. coming together. Right. When we had them, that beautiful yeah. shot of them walking together down the middle of the street. Yes. So them being metaphorically on and literally on different sides of the street right. was important. Yeah. And the kind of swagger that he had was... Yep. I've I'm done. I, I did what I needed to do. And I'm done. I'm st- I can stop getting blamed for this now and yeah. I can get on with the rest of my life. Right. Without you. Right. <laughs> Billy. Yeah. I'll still talk to you somewhere, maybe. But mm-hmm. Billy, you can GTF totally. Yeah. I really hope they don't get back together. <sighs> there has to be more to them than each other. Yeah. And I think <sighs> Billy's going to take some, some saving. <laughs> right. Because... <sighs> Because he was like so sanctimonious through all of this. And I, felt, I didn't dislike Billy beforehand, but by God, that really started to and hate Again, to you know, there were, yeah, I mean, there's so many other aspects to this. You know, he has, well, he resigned, but then Todd got him yeah. back in. Unresigned, yep. But that bishop doesn't like him. Right. You know, I I was really kind of hoping for there to eventually finally be a storyline about the fact that the church kind of frowns upon this gay priests, they would never let gay priests anyway. getting, get married mm-hmm. and everything. And there's no real discussion of that. And there's no... The only thing that Billy can do now, I think, is shave off his beard and start again. Mm-hmm. Go back to being clean-shaven, Billy. I don't like clean-shaven, Billy. No... I don't think he it's looks better so either. so much better with a beard. But I think that's the only way to go. To to renew himself. Mm. Because with that beard, it's so mm. easy to see him with that sanctimonious grin. Yeah. But what for Paul then? Mm-hmm. Well. And is Summer, is Summer going to forgive Will? And are they going to get back together? And is it going to break Addie's heart? 
I think Will and has served run, his purpose. And he'll run into the arms of Amy. Because <laughs> Will has admitted his part in this. and Right, yeah. He, he hasn't been an angel in it. No. But at least he owned up to what he did. Right, eventually. And, right. He, he, this was him. He needed money. Mm-hmm. It was as simple as that. Yeah. So I don't, I think him and Summer are done. They yeah. should be done. Yeah. Which opens the door for young Master Addy. <sighs> Who's so adorable when he's trying to talk to her? It's, it is cute. It is it's, cute. It's all of a sudden I'm but, fourteen I mean, years old again. And I think I think we all know how how much I love the Allahans. Right. So especially Devonati. So yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that we had for a shortened week for us because of going away to have Wednesday finish on felt like it's an honorary Friday. Oh, thing, wasn't it, it? and it was a relief. Right. For us, it was it was a physical relief, <laughs> right. even, you know, I was just like, oh, finally. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Todd's going down. Well, we know what's what's up for Todd. He's going to prison for stealing a heat pump. Do you think he's going to get a jail time for that? I hope so. He's stealing from the church. They're going to throw the book at him. <laughs> they should do. They really should Oh, well, that was the week that was yes, Coronation was. Street. We have shaved little time off our normal running time, but right. I think we expected yeah, because, it to happen. Because this was a week that... We had, I think we all knew that Helen was going to have a rant this week, and I did. <laughs> I could have gone on even longer. What was your moment of the week, Helen? Tell me. Tell mm-hmm. me what your moment of the week was. Todd yeah. getting his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. I think I've already taken the screenshot of yeah. the moment of the week. Yeah. I think that was it. It was. It was just. We've been waiting. Mwah, chef's kiss. We've been waiting for an, probably an entire global pandemic for this to yeah, happen. We right? deserve this. We've earned this. We got the Todd comeuppance we deserved. Yes. So that is our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Steve explaining white privilege. <laughs> was that boring? Yes. Or Tim saying, I got bad grades at school. You don't see me complaining about it. Do you know there was one line in all of that that I really wish that they hadn't done? I don't want to go back to this and talk about it for another 15 minutes, but no. when Tim said, It's not always black and white, I was like, oh. I was really ill judged. And then I wasn't entirely happy with the fact that Tim was this kind of ignorant uh, he was ignorant in one storyline and then he was there for comic effect in another storyline but they yeah. both happened in the same place and it was yeah. kind of difficult to tell oh, okay I'm a, do I like this Tim and do I was like actually kind of surprised because I was I was happy when he bursts in and he starts yelling at Craig about James be- but because of football right more than because of racial profiling right. anyway what was it that you said Steve, yeah. Steve's lecture. That'll do. That is our... Boring moment of the week. I forgot to do an outro. If you've ever... If if you've ever taken your wife out into the woods at a cabin. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) maybe we'll let you know how that went. Mm, Or at least one of us will. Uh (laughs) We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and it's me that's going to die. (laughs) 
And we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, the and Instagram. The mosquitoes will carry him away. If you don't. <laughs> you can shout me in hell on the coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And oh, and I posted a, a, a new video on the classic section of the YouTube channel of uh, Deirdre's time in prison. It's kind of clear that she Dum-dum. has such a bad attitude. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We'll be back next weekend. Not this weekend, coming next weekend. Mm-hmm. With more. Oh, talk of the street. Talk of the street. Cheerio. Bye-bye.